the third Sunday in our sermon series, On Purpose. And over the last couple of weeks, some of what we have looked at is how we know that God has created us on purpose, with intentionality, and God has created us to have purpose in this world. And, and one of the things we talked about that first Sunday a couple of weeks ago was the fact that our purpose first and primarily is derived from the fact that we were created and made by God. You know, in the book of Genesis and that uh, creation narrative, the story of the beginning of time, um, there's this, this imagery of how God has imprinted God's image on all of, all of humanity. And every person from every time and every place bears God's image. And then what we've explored over the last couple of weeks is how as we live in this world and the impact of living in a fallen world and the brokenness that exists in our world, we, we realize that there are ways as we, as we grow and we mature that we experience what we've uh, termed the false self. There's this true self that God has given us and that um, is innate and inside of us, and yet there's this false self that we find our, our way of relating to the world, kind of like looking through a, a dirty window, or like when I've been out in the rain or I've been mowing the lawn and my glasses get dirty and I can't see as well. There's this false self of a way of viewing the world, but also viewing ourselves that, that really exists separate and apart from God. And it's this way, as we've talked about, that is a, it's almost like a facade or a persona that we've taken on that is different than the person God has created us to be. But it's the person that we realize is able to, to get out there in the world and, and accomplish something get something done, to, to meet our, our basic instinctual needs, but doing that separate from God. And a lot of what we talked about over the last couple of weeks was exploring how um, even in childhood, we begin learning these ways and patterns of living that are either to, to protect ourselves from getting hurt because we realize there's harm and there's things in the world that could hurt us, but we also realize that there are sometimes in that, that protecting and self-isolating that, that we then find other ways of expressing who we are that is not really truly who God has intended us to be. And it impacts things like our, our ego or our way to, to try to please other people or try to, to you know, get what we need without actually having to give anything of ourselves. And we realized in the battle between this false self and this true self that God desires to, to start unraveling all of that and bringing us back to a place through, through the sanctification of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, to be that beautiful image that God has created us to be. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10, we've looked at this over the last couple of weeks, and I, I love starting with this place because Paul calls out here and says in Ephesians 2, chapter 10, we are God's masterpiece. Nobody calls anything that is like, um, not well done or that is a partial creation or anything like that. Nobody calls it a masterpiece. What is a masterpiece? A masterpiece has this, this, this deep level of intrinsic perfection and beauty. And Paul calls it out and says, we are God's masterpiece. And then he says, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So that he's actually, God has not only created us, but he's created us new in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. And so what we realize is that the creating and making us new is that ongoing work that God is doing because of Christ Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit. And then out of that, what? We can do the good things he planned for us. So in a lot of ways, when we talk about this idea of finding our purpose or, or being created on purpose or knowing you know, our purpose and, and the meaning of life and what we're meant to be here and do, it really comes first from this place of discovering who the false self is that we carry around, kind of like the, the exterior uh, shell that we put on ourselves to protect us from the world and to find our way through the world, is being able to name that. And then as we start to dismantle that and, and we start to remove that, 
we start realizing there's this new and deeper way that God has called us to live in this world, a way of expressing Christ Jesus to the world that honors not only who God is, but actually gives that care to other people as they bear God's image. And it starts to call them forward into who God has created them to be. Part of what we talked about last week, too, was remembering that when we identify the false self, when we start getting to this place of recognizing and being able to name the false self, what we do is, is we start to name it, but we name it with compassion. And we look at it and we realize, okay, I see why I've lived that way. I, I start to understand why I respond that way in certain circumstances and situations. And then as we do that with compassion, we can look at the false self and say, okay, I see it. I know what it is. And now by, by the strength that God gives me, we'll say, false self, you're no longer welcome here. You're no longer, you no longer have a say here. You no longer have permission to, to disrupt and shape my identity or, or to speak into my relationships or, or impact my marriage or, or sabotage my career. False self, I, as I set you aside, as Paul talked about, of taking off the old self, and as we step into the new self, we realize that I'm no longer bound to fear. I'm no longer bound to, to uh, the worry and concern of what the world thinks about me, but I'm actually going to step into a place of separating myself from the false self. And I'm going to be the true self that God has created me to be. The imagery that came to my mind, even as I was thinking about this and preparing for this, it, it, this morning was um, reflecting on the, the imagery of the, you know, the mythical phoenix, the phoenix bird that um, goes and, and is burned up in the ashes, but then out of the ashes, as the, as the old has been dis- deconstructed and, and um, the ashes are all that remain, there's this new that starts to rise up out of it. And it's absolutely the, the imagery that we get even in scripture of how Paul talks about, you know, when I, when I was a child, I, I thought and I asked acted in these ways, but now as an adult, I, I live this way, and I'm able to express this way, and, and bringing us into this place of understanding that there is a, a maturing and a growing up that's not connected just to our biological age, our, our number of days that we've been on this earth, but it's the maturing and growing that God has called us to mentally, spiritually, emotionally, of being a whole and complete person in Christ and realizing that as we mature in that, there's a dealing with the false self, of taking that off, of putting that to side, and then living out of a true self that becomes that true expression of who God has called us to be, that place of discovering and knowing our identity. And so today, what I want to drill in on and, and kind of the focus, the point for this morning is realizing that when we begin to uncover the true self, when we, that's, that's the true self that's rooted and grounded in God's love, that then out of that becomes the expression of the, that true self into the world. It's this place where as we'll see in the scriptures, we begin to express the spiritual gifts, the fruit of the spirit that God has called us to bear in this world. And, and realizing that, and we're going to explore this a little more, but realizing that so many times we want to jump to just having the fruit. We want to jump to just having these, these spiritual gifts and just working in them and, and making a difference in the world. But we've never really gone back and dug deep and, and, and seen roots that go down deep into a foundation of God's love, go down into the soil of God's love that then are drawing power not from who we think we should be or who we desire to be and our best wishes and hopes, but realizing that what we're expressing to the world and our gifts and our abilities are coming from this place of knowing who we are in Christ Jesus and who God has called us to be. This is the power of sanctification, that being made new in Christ Jesus. This is the renewal that God has called us to. And so today and next Sunday, we're going to look at this in a little bit more of a practical way of, of seeing what's expressed in Scripture um, especially through Paul's writing of, of what it means to have um, gifts that are operating both within the church but within the world that are given by the Holy Spirit but are being expressed in true and authentic ways. 
Before we jump into that, though, I want to revisit one thing from last Sunday just to help us, again, frame that concept and that understanding of this, this true self and false self. Last week, I gave you a list. This comes from um, Pete Scazzaro's book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship, and, and he has a, a treatment of the true self and the false self, and I want to put these points up again because I think it helps us start to see the tension that exists between the, the false self and this false way of relating in the world versus the true surrendered way of Christ that is the, the deeper way of seeing true spiritual transformation in our lives. So let's look at this. Again, I'm just going to run through these. And, and I, as I explained last week, in the, in the book, he's using it in a way of, of doing some evaluation, of rating yourself on a scale of, of one to five, of, of how strongly this applies to you. But let's quickly read through these. We have them to put on the screen here. But in, in addressing this false self, some descriptions or symptoms of the false self um, look like this. I compare myself a lot to other people. I often say yes when I prefer to say no. I often don't speak up to avoid the disapproval of others. People close to me would describe me as defensive and easily offended. I have a hard time, I have a hard time laughing at my shortcomings and failures. So again, these are just description symptoms of that false self. The list continues. I avoid looking weak or foolish in social situations. I'm not always the person I appear to be. I struggle with taking risks because I could fail or look foolish. My sense of worth or, or well-being comes from what I have, you know, my possessions, or what I do, which would be like our accomplishments, or what others think of me, This would be our reputation, our popularity. I often act like a different person when in different situations and with different people. So what's being named here and identified in this list is out of the false self, we find a way of living and relating that is isolating, that's self-protecting, that's finding the shortcut to meet our needs, that is possibly dismissing and dishonoring others so that we can have a foot ahead, you know, to get, get a greater step ahead of others, of being in a place of, of being unwilling to even name our own um, desire and our, to be either to look strong and, and to appear strong to others even when we're not, or to appear confident and, and strong even when we're um, uncertain. And so what's being named in this list is, is recognizing that as we start to examine ourselves and we start seeing that there is this false self that's been built up, that is not really the true representation of who we are in Christ, but it's a way of living in the world where we appear strong or we appear something other than what we truly are. And so what we start to realize, again, as we, as we start thinking about our purpose and what God has called us to be in this world, we can realize that on the surface, especially when you think through this list, there's some things that might actually appear as being um, positive or good. I mean, think about it. Like some people would say, well, you know, it, it, I, I shouldn't actually get in, in conflict with other people. And so I just don't, I don't speak my mind or I don't say what I think because it's better to not get in an argument or conflict with other people. Or, or sometimes, you know, like he says here, avoid looking foolish or weak in social situations. Well, why would I ever want to appear weak to other people? Why would I want to ever appear as though, like, I don't have it all together? And so the world has taught us a way of living, and we, we pick it up. Sometimes it's modeled for us. A lot of times it's modeled for us in the families that we grew up in or in the schools that we were in and the classrooms that we were in. And, and we, we start learning, uh, like, well, I, oh, I'm not going to raise my hand and answer a question anymore because sometimes I get the answer wrong. 
And, and why would I do that? And we learn that as a child, and then we get to an adult, and we get into the workplace, and we realize it's better for me to just keep my mouth shut and not speak up. And, and maybe I see things going wrong, or I see things happening around me that should be named or should be addressed, but it's better for me to be quiet. And out of that, we realize that we have then isolated and distanced ourselves from the true authentic character of Christ Jesus in us, the one who in, in all humility surrendered himself even to the point of death. And so that then, as we begin to live out of our true self, we realize there is this dying to self so that we can be fully alive in Christ Jesus. As we, as we start looking at the, the place of discovering our purpose and, and we're digging deeper into the meaning of our lives and why we're here, we start realizing that, that this place, this, this interaction of the true self, the false self, and the tension that exists in between these two is really ground zero for God to start working deeper in us and for us to start finding more authentic and real meaning and purpose to our lives in this world. I mean, Think about it this way. All too often what is taught to us, especially as we get into um, kind of those preteen years and into to high school and even into college, we start looking and thinking that our purpose, like why we're here or what we're supposed to do, is somehow discovered where? It's discovered out there. You know, go out there and, and try this. Have an internship at that. Take this class. Have, have this experience. And as you have those external experiences, you start figuring out who you are. You start sorting out who you are by, well, you know, I tried this sport and I wasn't good at it, so I'm not that. You know, or, or I went and I, I took this class or I tried to learn this musical instrument or I, I, I tried, you know, learning, you know, this type of computer programming or I took a few classes in this field and I, I either did really well and I excelled in that or I didn't do so great. And so we start thinking that our purpose is found and discovered somewhere externally. But if we come back to the message of Scripture and what we see through the New Testament, this is a lot of what we looked at last week in the teaching of Paul's and Paul through the New Testament, was that the discovery of who we are and our purpose in this world really comes from not so much a journey into the external world, but it's journeying internally with Christ Jesus and the Holy Spirit illuminating who we are inside. And then again, as we start moving into this place of discovering just the authentic experience of our meaning and purpose, that it's going to actually be coming from this place of a deep soul level surrender to the work of God within us. And then out of that, there is this overflow of the expression of who we are in the world that now is grounded not in something false and not in something that we've tried to experience and discover out there, but it's actually coming from this deep innate understanding of who God has created us to be. And if you remember, we said in the words of Jesus that we're pointing to the ancient scriptures and, and uh, the ancient uh, teaching that, that Jesus even brought into his own present moment, he said our, our great, the greatest law, the greatest purpose is to love God with all that we are. Body, soul, spirit, our mind, everything, loving God with all that we are. And out of that, we're receiving God's love and we're, we're being loved by God. We're loving God in return. And then he said the second thing was to love others as ourself. So as we're realizing this ability to give expression to love in the world is really our, our greatest and primary purpose, but the only way that that can be done is out of this true self that, that God has created us to be. And so as we move into this place of, of becoming even more practically connected to, to how that starts to be expressed in the world, we realize that there are things named in Scripture that, that are you know, named as, as spiritual gifts that, that Paul talks about. And, and we realize that, quite simply, the, the definition of spiritual gifting, and we're going to look at um, 
a few places in the New Testament where those things are named, but it's, it's really just abilities or, or um, you know, gifting talent that is given by the Holy Spirit to Christians, and it's intended primarily, I love this, it's intended primarily for strengthening the church, the body of Christ, the people of God, of challenging one another, caring for one another, and for carrying the message of who Jesus is into the world. And so our spiritual gifts, again, are not so much about vocation, but it's about our, our character and our values and our ways of living in this world. And, and, and again, we'll see this through the scriptures, that the primary place that those are impacted, exposed, and, and practiced are within the community of faith, within the body of Christ, as Paul talks about it. And, and so Paul talks about it a lot in the New Testament. That some of it is available even in the Old Testament, and it's described throughout Scripture. But let's jump into one example from Paul. This is Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. So a letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. And the, the first, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse number 4. He says this, There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is at the source of all of them. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but is the same God who does the work in all of us. And so what we see is exactly what we've been talking about here through, through um, the, this, the beginning part of the sermon series is we're talking about discovering our true self and we're seeing that the Holy Spirit's working in us. Paul's saying here that this, this different kinds of service, ways of expressing what God's doing in the world, like it's going to come out in a myriad of different ways. But as God works in different ways, it's the same God who does the work in all of us. And then Paul says, well, let's, let's give some examples. In verse number seven, he says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Verse number eight, to one person, the spirit gives the, the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same spirit gives a message of uh, special knowledge. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives to someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from some other spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. Verse number 11, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And then look at this, verse number 12. The human body has many parts, but the, same, but the many parts make up one whole body. It is with the body of Christ. So it is with the body of Christ. So what he's describing here is that imagery that he uses in other places of talking about the, the church as like the body of Christ. And in Ephesians, he talks about, you know, Jesus being the, the head of the church in this place of, of recognizing that the, the body is intended to be whole and complete and connected to one another. And so here's part of the power of what Paul is pointing to for the church. He's saying when the, the parts of the body are operating within their intended purposes— the body, it's whole, it's complete, it's fully functioning. But at the same time, when the parts are trying to do and be something else, not what they were intended, there's actually potential harm. There's a, there's a misfire, there's a malfunction. And so we can't underestimate or miss the importance of knowing and operating within our intended purpose and living at peace within that place. Now again, 
if we want to just immediately jump to, well, what's my purpose? And, and look at Paul's list of, you know, the different giftings and trying to sort that out. But we haven't actually begun the process of doing that deep work of, of surrendering the old self and living uh, from this true self rather than the false self. Then we're going to get mixed up in the process. We're going to be an arm that says, oh, I'd much rather be a foot. Foot does really cool things. And, or, or we're going to be an eye that says, oh, man, but, you know, the mouth, like, the mouth is cool because mouth is loud and I well I just see it's kind of a fun it's funny imagery right it's like a funny cartoon or something but what Paul is trying to point to here is that the Holy Spirit is the one that that distributes the gifts the Holy Spirit is the one that empowers you to use whatever the gifting is that God has given you and in the expression of that even if your gifting is similar to somebody else's it's still going to look different in this world but if we're trying to give expression to these giftings but we're doing it only through, through that filter of the false self, the way that it comes is, is actually the, the body of Christ that is this misshapen. It's not connected to each other. It's not functioning in the ways that it's supposed to. And so Paul's pointing here and saying, first of all, we have to understand that we have been called to be in connection with one another. We've been called as a body of Christ to be in, in relationship and in authentic connection. But if we haven't dealt with the things inside of us that cause us to actually have unhealthy connection and relationship with one another, then this whole thing is going to be interrupted. All the desire and the pursuit of the spiritual gifts and the fruit of the Spirit and all of that, it's, it's going to be, it's gonna be um, tainted by the fact that we haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to work deeply in us. And again, it's not saying that we have to be perfect before we can then express the gifts of the Spirit. But it is saying that our understanding of what God has made us and formed us to be, first and primarily, has to come from allowing God to work deeply in us. The light of the Holy Spirit to illuminate what's inside of us and to be on that journey of growing. In another place, Paul, in talking about the gifting, he, he writes this in, in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse number 10. He says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. This is what I was talking about, of understanding that as, as we start to identify our true self and who God has made us and called us to be, it's a calling that then says, we're going to use them to serve one another. Verse number 11, do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. And then he gives this command. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. You see, this is, this is the promise that, that we've been given from God, that, that Paul is naming here. The promise is that we have been given the tools and abilities to serve. All of us have. We have been given these tools and abilities, but we have to tap into that power and we have to trust God within it. And then that's what gives glory to God. That's what gives this, this wonderful expression of the body of Christ um, and the fullness of what God has created it to be. When I think back to three years ago, before Essence Place started, one of the things that I said so many times to our, our, our launch team that was beginning to form to, to start this new church, one of the things I said was that we will only be able to be, as a church, what God wants this church to be by the people that God brings to this church, to this body of Christ. And so we think about it a lot of times, like for our personal selves of like, well, I have this gift, I have this talent, I have this ability. And so, you know, I'm going to uh, find my purpose in the world. And we think of it individualistically. But I think it's true in the same for churches. 
for the, these bodies of Christ that God has brought together and how there's something unique that God has called every church to be. Yes, there are those overarching truths that, that every church is, is supposed to be, of being on mission with God, of seeing people saved and baptized and, and coming to know the, what it means to live fully in Christ. And, and those are those overarching um, things that God has called every church to be. But then there's the unique expression that each church has that becomes a unique expression because of the unique number of people that are a, bar, a part of that. And how there's this unique blend of people that comes together in a place and a time to be the body of Christ. And as people, as if we are people that are going to live out of our true self and our true gifting, then we have the ability to do something unique, amazing, authentic, and wonderful. That what? What does Paul say? It brings glory to God through Jesus Christ. Everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. And then he gets kind of wrapped up and he says, all glory and power to him forever and ever, amen. It's recognizing that again, whatever we want to do, express and be in this world, it first has to come from this primary place of the Holy Spirit working in us. When we're empowered for this expression of our true self, uh, for God's sake, we're not building our own reputation. We're not building our own reputation for a church and a church name and, and having great branding and a logo and a, and a name that people recognize. That's not what we're about. What we're doing is we're bringing glory to God. And it's not about building our kingdom, but it's realizing that as God is working in us, God is building his kingdom. And whatever that looks like and whatever size, shape and color and, and expression that is in the world, that it's amazing and it's wonderful because we're doing it as the body of Christ that knows truly who we were made to be in Christ Jesus, and then we're living out of that. And now that's real work for us to do. I mean, it's challenging work for us to do. One of the things that I love about um, just the overarching message of the New Testament, and especially because we have so much of the New Testament that was written by the Apostle Paul, is that there are these repeated messages that come in many different letters that he was writing to the early church. He was writing to churches all throughout Asia Minor and the, and the ancient Near East where he was, he was explaining, this is how you understand who Christ is and Christ in you and then Christ in you together. And so then when he talks about things like spiritual gifting, he, he rattles off and he names different things in different places. Look at this with me. I wanted to put a few of these. I'm not going um, ex, to you know, explain and, and give um, the definition of all of these different, but I want you to see just the variety of what he talks about, but then a commonality when he names different spiritual gifts. We have these to put on the screen, but in different places, Paul references, and I'll put the, the key passages up there if you want to write these down and go back and look at them later. But in 1 Corinthians 12, he talks about that there are spiritual gifts of a, of a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a spiritual gift of faith, healing, prophecy, people working in the prophetic, tongues and tongues and interpretation, and you're speaking in other languages, the apostles, teachers, acts of power, forms of assistance, forms of leadership. And that's just in one letter to the church in Corinth. And then if you look at what he wrote to um, the church in, in Rome, he says um, in Rome, Romans chapter number 12, he talks about spiritual gifts of prophecy, of ministry, of teaching, of exhorting, like building others up, of giving, of leading, of showing mercy. In Ephesians, we studied the book of Ephesians together. In Ephesians chapter 4, he talks about those fivefold gifts that um, work together, like five strands within one, one rope together. And it's the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. In Galatians, um, the, the scriptures talk about the, the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit are another expression of God's gifts. And the fruit of the Spirit are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
And this is not the total of all of the spiritual gifts that Paul is talking about. Like these, these passages don't even cover all the possibilities of this expression of God to the world. And yet what Paul is talking about here is that they all come from the same spirit. They all come from the spirit of God and that this is what is animating and giving life to the body of Christ. And so as each of us individually go on this journey of exploring what God has spoken to us and, and what God is showing us about dealing with, with our false self and putting the, the false self um, aside and, and living out of our true self, part of what we will start to discover is the gifting that God has given us. And then again, what we're called to in this is, is to then give expression of that within the body of Christ. Think about that list as we, as we look through the list. I mean, how many people say, I just want to be more loving. I want to be more patient. I want to be more giving. I want to, I want to be better at leading people and influencing others. I want to be um, better at expressing self-control. Like I really need self-control. Or I want to embody peace in a way that just, you know, is, is peace for myself or peace for my family. Like these are the desired traits that people want. Not just even within the church, but within the world. People are desiring to see the expression of this in their lives. And yet if we look at it, what is Paul saying here? These gifts are only dis discovered and expressed through our true self in Christ Jesus, who God has made us and formed us to be. And as the Holy Spirit deposits these into our lives, and as we begin to, to uncover it and unravel all the things that have gotten tangled around it throughout our lives, we start seeing more and more of the light of God shining through us. These spiritual gifts are, are an expression of our true selves, just serving and loving God's church, one another, and then loving and caring our world caring for our world. Like that, that's, that's the bare minimum. That's, what, that's what's happening here. And so again, when we think about this conversation of, you know, our purpose and knowing that we were created for a purpose, it's not so much vocation. It's not so much even about like gifting and talents in, in like a, a star search, you know, American Idol sort of way. I dated myself because I just said star search in American Idol. There's other ones. What's the one with the X? That's... I, yeah, okay. So there's all, you know, they've got all these talent shows and everybody's out there trying to show how special and unique they are, right? But if we look at it, what has God called us to in humility and a humbling of ourselves to walk in the way of Christ Jesus, to walk in the example of Christ Jesus? Paul names this in um, Ephesians chapter, or not Ephesians, but Philippians chapter number two, where he talks about this, this self-emptying nature of Christ Jesus and that we've actually been called to identify with Christ in that. And so it seems so opposite and upside down with the way that the world operates. You know, the world says everything is bigger and better. The, the chart should be going up and to the right always, right? Your life, your, your bank account, every, everything in life should be getting bigger and better. And yet what it seems like actually happens on this journey of transformation is a descent into what seems like less. What seems like um, not possessing as much. It's actually an open-handedness of what feels like maybe even the things we've been able to scrap together and hold on to tightly, we're actually called to, to surrender and release. And that through that, again, we're identifying and understanding our true self and who we're created and made to be. And there's a temptation here and really a word of warning for us as we, we look at this related to, to spiritual gifting and how there is a way like the, the wolf that comes in sheep's clothing where people can take on what appears to be the expression of these spiritual gifts, but it's really operating out of the false self and that through it, maybe for a time it's hidden, 
maybe for a time, um, because of natural talent and gifting and ability, it's sort of covered over that the motivation behind where the expression of those things is, is coming from and happening, um, it's not so much seen. But then over, over time and, and over a season or two or, or over a period of a lifetime, there's all of a sudden at some point this uncovering where God kind of says, enough. You're not going to use what looks like my spiritual gifts that come from my Holy Spirit to, to feed your false self, to build yourself up, to perpetuate harm on others. Think about this in a really practical way, and I do this with, with caution. But think about the, the, the spiritual leaders that we've seen fall. Even just recently, you know, if you're one who, who kind of follows that in, in you know, news in the Christian world, you know, there's names like Carl Lentz, Ravi Zacharias, um, Jerry Falwell Jr., different ones who are people who have, who have ascended to places of prominence and have built a sense of influence in the world and, and operated from very large platforms and spoken to very large groups of people all around the world with a high deal of um, visibility and influence and for much time and maybe for the entirety of their life, they've preached a message of the gospel. They've pointed to the power of who God is. But yet, when we start to hear the stories of what was under the surface, what was happening behind closed doors, what was going on once the, the, the cameras were shut off, we start to see that actually there's a person still who is living so much out of the false self and this false way of being and, and, and trying to meet needs through broken ways and sinful patterns that we realize that while God's, God's kingdom is so much bigger than any one person that may fall and bring dishonor to it, we realize that there is this harm that gets perpetuated on the church when people choose to try to take on these spiritual gifts that the, the scripture talks about without ever doing the deep work of digging deeply into their own hearts and lives, of dealing with those patterns of brokenness, of, of ways of, of thinking that are, that are um, just repeated over and over again from childhood of what they believe about themselves and, and trying to seek out bigger and more because it feeds something of lack inside of them. And so when we come to places of recognizing that we desire to see our spiritual gifts being expressed in the church and in the world, there's still this, this temptation that gets carried with it of using those things to bring glory to ourselves. I know even for myself, I'm one that I grew up in church and I discovered early on in church that, you know, I, I had the ability to, to play music and I, and I had the ability to use certain gifting within the a church environment. And in those settings, it becomes very easy to use those things in ways that are like, oh, this is, it's all about Jesus but then afterward, as soon as you step off the stage or you're with other people, you're constantly listening and waiting to hear, is somebody going to say something good about me? Is somebody going to give me affirmation for what, what I preached or what I played or what I sang or, or what I expressed through other gifting and talents? Is, you know, is somebody going to you know, give me a pat on the back for what I, what I um, did in volunteering and serving and caring for someone else? And so we're constantly waiting for that cycle to feed back around, to feed back into us. And what is that, what is that that's happening? It's us in maybe natural gifting or even some spiritual gifts that God's given us. We're, we're bringing it back around to a place, though, of still wanting to build up that false self, of living out of a way of, of operating out of that concern for what others would think. If we go back 
and look at that, that list that Schizero gives us, those symptoms of the false self, it's very easy to see how we can take things, even like the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, and we start to mix it in and realizing that you know, we, we want a sense of, of appearance of good by others, but we're doing it out of a place of, of building our own reputation. You know, we, we act like a different person in different situations because we realize it accomplishes different things for what? For ourselves. And so what I want to say here and I want to encourage you in is that the, the road to discovery, your true self in Christ Jesus, and especially when it comes to this expression of what God is doing in you through spiritual gifts and, and the, you know, the fruit of the Spirit and those other expressions, it's a long, deep work. And so what we're doing is we must be willing to examine the dark places in our lives and allow the light of Christ Jesus to shine deep within us. And, and then in that, we get to seek an expression of our purpose and meaning in the world that comes from this gut-level honesty and integrity about who we are and who we are not in Christ Jesus. Accepting our own God-given limitations and operating within the body is exactly what we were formed and made to be. As we start to become aware, you know what, I'm a hand in the body of Christ and I'm okay being a hand. Or, or I'm an I'm a ear and I'm okay being an ear because I see the importance of when I am connected to the body, what that means. And so I want to challenge us. Continue on the, the road as we've been talking about this false self and this place of discovery. There may be moments where you feel kind of uncovered. Where you feel like, you know, you, you've been confronted by ways of living in the world where you realize like, oh, I do that. Oh, wait a minute, that's me. And instead of hiding and running from that, let's lean into that and invite God to speak to us and realize that in those places where we feel the most weak, that is where God is made most strong. We looked at this scripture last week, and I want to start to end right here, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul writes this. He says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away, this, this thorn in the flesh, this, this um, thing that Paul couldn't overcome. And, and he says, I begged so many different times for the Lord to take it away from me. And then in verse number nine, each time the Lord said, what did he say? We can say this together. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So then Paul says, so now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That is why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, persecution, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Again, pointing back to Schizero's book on emotionally healthy discipleship, he says this, an emotionally healthy disciple, this follower of Jesus, slows down to be with Jesus, goes beneath the surface of their life to be transformed by Jesus, and offers their life as a gift to the world for Jesus. As you examine your own heart and life and the Holy Spirit speaking to you now, I want to invite you to be in a place where we begin to reflect and listen to what the Holy Spirit is speaking to us even now. There may be things that you know, God has, has shown you as I've been sharing this morning where um, you feel kind of confronted by some things. And in some ways it may feel overwhelming because it may feel like, like a lot of things or several things, or it may feel like there's more a list of like the false self things than what you really truly know of your true self. And so I want to invite you in this moment now, and especially if you're comfortable just closing your eyes and let's, let's turn our, our hearts toward the Holy Spirit as we begin to respond to what God has spoken to us this morning. I want to invite you to, um, again, come to this place like Schizero names here of realizing that to be 
this, this emotionally healthy, like full disciple of Jesus, we've been called first to just slow down, to slow down and to spend time with Jesus. I think it's the false self that tells us to go faster and faster, tells us to, to move quicker, to, to ignore the, you know, the, the warning signs, like the light on the dash that says, hey, wait a minute, something, something's not right here with the engine. And we're just supposed to keep going and going. And yet we realize that if we're going to be an authentic, true follower of Jesus Christ, we're called first to slow down and just be with Jesus. And then in those moments of being with Jesus is the willingness to actually go to a deeper place, like that imagery of the iceberg of where there's only a portion that shows above this, the waterline. And yet there's so much under the surface that needs to be acknowledged, needs to be dealt with. And then allowing the Holy Spirit to bring transformation in those areas. And then out of that is this full surrender, like the example of Christ Jesus, to surrender our life as a gift to the world. Whatever gifts and talents and abilities, it's not something that we then are striving for, but it's a state and a way of being, of living with Christ Jesus. There are, there are different spiritual disciplines that can help us grow in this. Last week, we looked at the prayer of examine of where we, we pause and we reflect with Jesus daily or even multiple times through our day and, and acknowledge areas where we've, we've seen the, the goodness of God, areas of, of consolation, of, of areas of feeling alive and connected with God. And we, we thank God for those and we reflect on those. And then in the same way in this prayer of examine, we, we examine our, our day and we say, okay, where are the areas though where there was, there was desolation, there was distancing, there was this standing apart and separate from God and realizing that in the interplay of those two things, it illuminates this false self and this true self. It's a place of discovering our spiritual gifting, of seeing the growing of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. Richard Foster that um, wrote, great works on spiritual disciplines. He says that spiritual disciplines are the way that we place ourselves before God so that God can transform us. Sometimes we can grab on to things like prayer and, and scripture reading and, and even fasting and, and other spiritual disciplines, attending church and, and all those things. And we can, we can make them just a means to an end of kind of like a quick fix to, to get past a difficult moment or, or try to you know, work through a problem quickly. But what we need to realize is actually those spiritual disciplines are a way of us just coming before God in surrender and allowing God to examine our heart and life. Acknowledging the fact that, that even if we feel so tangled up in our false self, that God deeply loves us. As we've talked about, we bear that image of God and that God desires to, to see us slow down, come before and with just a place of surrender where then he can begin to untangle those things. And that out of that, we begin to experience freedom and life. We begin to experience wholeness. You know, this is a, it's a process for us to be on this journey with God. It takes this, this amazing thing of us trusting the work of God and what God is doing and the strength of God working in us. But then simultaneously, it's us tending to the work of God, being intentional and expressing our effort and our devotion to God. And so for some of us, it may actually take us taking some big steps of faith and expressing our need of, of help 
even to the place of, of seeking even professional help, of reaching out to, to a pastor or a counselor and, and working to break some of those cycles of ways of thinking and behaving. And that, that through that, um, we start to experience the, the blessing of God and the freedom of God that comes in Christ Jesus. For others of us, it's going to be being willing to be intentional about our time and prioritizing our time and our routines and, and in that creating space for God to work because our false self has kept us so busy that we actually feel like we don't even have time to slow down and discover who we are in God because we just got the next thing and the next thing. And even though we have social distancing and restrictions on our activities and, and events and all of that, we still find ourselves just moving so quickly and so busy that the thing that constantly gets left behind is the being with Jesus. Bottom line this morning, I want you to be encouraged with this and, and hold a hope in this is the fact that we don't have to wait to see our spiritual gifts working in us. We don't have to wait until we feel like the work of God is complete and done so that we can then give expression because the truth is that's never gonna happen. The work of God is never gonna be complete and done in us. But what is gonna happen is as God begins working in us and we continue to invite and consent to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, that it's gonna bring us to this place of seeing expression and displays of that gifting within the world around us, but even within our own church community. Like Paul says, as we begin to express these giftings, this is what tends to the body. This is what strengthens the body. And it's this giving expression of that within the body of Christ. But the only way that that happens in true and authentic ways is us being willing to spend time with Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to continue to set us free to live as our true self in the world. Let me say a prayer for you this morning. God, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for every person who has, has found their way to Essence Place by your guiding, by your leading of the Holy Spirit, whether it's been for a short time or, or been for a longer period of time. God, we know that you have called these people together in this place, in this time, to be the expression of the body of Christ to one another and to the world. God, as we've been on this journey over the last few weeks of exploring our purpose and who you've created and made us to be, by the Holy Spirit, it's, it's caused us to become more aware of work that we need to do within us. For us to truly know that, that way of expressing you to the world in, in honesty and integrity and humility like Christ Jesus, we realize there's a deeper level of surrender that we need to tend to in our own lives. So I pray, God, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, empower and strengthen your church, every part of the body, to be able to step into the fullness of who you have created and made them to be. God, I pray that there would be hope that we begin to rise up in people today who feel like those, those patterns and those false ways of living are just set. It's just what it's going to be. And, and they just have to live with it for the rest of their life. I pray, God, that today you would begin to give a glimmer of hope of, of this freedom that begins to be experienced as they begin to name certain false ways of living and relating, of protecting or isolating or, or trying to appear something that they're not. And that God, in the freedom of laying those things down, I pray, God, that then a new faith, a new integrity would begin to rise up. 
God, I pray for your church that as we continue on this journey of of deep spiritual transformation, we recognize the work is long. The work is slow. But out of that, you are strengthening your body, the church. I pray, God, that through this process, as we continue to discover the, the spiritual gifts that have been given, that have been received from the Holy Spirit, that you would help us to then take steps of faith to express that. to to work in those areas. We realize that our our spiritual gifts and even the fruit of the Spirit are things that we receive from you. We don't have to strive for it. We don't have to grab at it. We don't have to try to hold on tightly to it. But because it's received freely from you, we can just express that to others in a vulnerable and true Christ-like way. I pray, God, that you continue to protect and cover over your church. And we know that there are so many things that have impacted the the church, not just Essence Place, but churches all across our country through this last year. The challenges of meeting together and the distancing that's been there and not truly how you've intended the church to be and express and, and relate to one another. And so I pray, God, that over the coming months and the coming year and, and even beyond, that you would continue to do that work of restoring. The work that's promised in the scriptures of making all things new. God, that you would lead us into places of taking steps of faith and trusting you within the, within the body of Christ, of being real and present with one another. And I pray in all of this, Lord, that you will continue to protect your church. Keep your hand upon each and every person. Lord, and as you care for us, as you protect us, like Paul prayed, that you would continue to transform us body, soul, and spirit until the coming of Christ Jesus. So God, as we pray this today, we pray it. In the wonderful name of Jesus, committing ourselves to you once again. Amen.